This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. And welcome to Finsider Radio. This is MC Money. I'm joined here by certain the creepy soccer dad and Houts MD. And this week on Finsider Radio, we have a special treat for you. We'll be joined by Miami Dolphins seventh round draft pick Quentin Poling, linebacker from Ohio University. He'll be joining us in just a few minutes. We're also going to touch on the Stephen Ross leak to the Boston Globe in terms of how he asked his management team to trade down in the first round of the NFL draft to acquire more picks. I'm going to give you what I know about the situation. I'm going to give you what I've been hearing from other people who may know the story. And what I can tell you right here at the top of the show, and I tweeted this out the other day as well, that it appears to be a game of telephone. And we all know that game of telephone. We played it in elementary school. We played it maybe in middle school. We probably still play it to this day. But, uh, you know, a game of telephone, you say one thing, you start off one way, and by the time it gets to the last person in line, it's completely different than what it first started as. This appears to be a case of that. So when we get to that topic later on in the show, I will touch on that. I will tell you everything that I know and everything that it appears to be in this situation. Is there cause for concern? Maybe, but not in the way that you may expect. We'll also talk about... Houts and Sutton's special guest appearance on the 4th and Inches podcast. One of the uh, craziest podcasts out there. There's only three episodes in, but it is highly advisable you do not listen to that podcast at work or around your kids or if your wife or significant other, your boyfriend, does not like uh, bad, crazy language. You may not want to listen in front of them either. 
but we'll touch on all that. But right now we're going to be joined by Quentin Poling, Miami Dolphins seventh round pick from Ohio University. Quentin, thank you for joining us here on Finsider Radio. Happy to be here. All right, Quentin, let's get straight to it here. NFL draft. Uh, you're, you're waiting the entire time. Finally, your name is called in the seventh round. You're from a little town in Ohio. You go to play football at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, which is basically a little town with a big college. Uh, you play football for Frank Solich, who was born and raised in Ohio. And then on day three of the NFL draft, you get a phone call from the Miami Dolphins, who are located in South Florida. Two completely different locations, two completely different places, two basically completely different cultures. What was like? What was that like for you when you one you got that phone call and two you realized, holy crap, I'm going to Miami to play for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the you know the entire weekend, like you said, the the entire you know that third day especially was pretty stressful. Just going through the you know entire time because you know obviously you you hear things from you know scouts and agents things like that, but you never really know what's going to happen, especially when it gets to that third day. It's kind of a crab shoot. So, you know, you, you might hear, you know, around four or five or, you know, it could be, you know, six, seven, everything's a little bit of a toss up, but so that was, uh, it was pretty intense sitting around waiting, uh, for the majority of that day. But yeah, the, the culture's there going, you know, I've been an Ohio guy my, my whole life. And with, you know, being, obviously from a small town going to a little bit bigger, but still, you know, basically it's a college <laughs> town and then uh, kind of diving right into it, into, you know, Miami, South beach, all that stuff. So it'll be, it'll be an exciting step for me, but um, it'll be, you know, a little bit of a culture shock. <laughs> well, Quentin, you'll also have Jerome and you'll have Raekwon there uh, and, some of the linebacker groups with you. So you're still going to have some Ohio roots with you and congratulations on being selected by the dolphins. I'm sure that was a wild ride for you. I saw in your presser that uh, one of the linebackers that you emulate is Luke Keekley, And I'm sure Zach Thomas is right up there somewhere. Um, and Zach was one of those notorious tape hound kind of guys. So tell us, tell us dolphin fans, your, your mental approach to the game. Yeah, you just have to obviously watch a lot of tape. Um, I'm a big fan of getting the playbook and, you know, just drawing out the plays multiple times, just writing it down, writing it down, writing it down. Because when you, you know, play a position such as linebacker, you know, it's not just knowing what you're doing to be truly, really great. You have to know how every piece of the defense is moving and working at every moment. And obviously going from the college playbook to a, NFL playbook as I've already started to dive into that it's a little more intense and but when it gets down to the football's football I mean it's a lot of the things are the same it's just everyone uses different terminology for it so just trying to get acquainted to that that new terminology terminology and just saying oh you know this is what they call this and you know kind of making little notes as I go through things and just getting used to stuff like that okay so let's talk about your your overall skill set as a football player. Now we have one of the best special team coaches and Darren Rizzi here with the Dolphins. So this is kind of a two-part question. Your skill set, how, how does it translate to special teams? And then, you know, the Dolphins defense has kind of struggled covering tight ends and running backs. So it really seemed like uh, with you and Jerome Baker from Ohio State that we're targeting 
players that can play in pass coverage. So let us know, A, your skill set on special teams, and B, your, your skill set in pass coverage. Yeah, I think in special teams, it's the biggest thing that I can, you know, bring to the table is just speed. It's, you know, things get a lot more difficult when obviously there's a lot of techniques and hand usage stuff, blocking, you know, things in the line, such as punt, stuff like that. But when you're just flat out faster than, you know, your opponent, the other guy, it definitely makes things a little bit easier. So, yeah, with special teams, I would just say speed and pass coverage, it's a lot of the same. I mean, there's, uh, you know, art being – you know, having played middle linebacker my whole career at OU, the uh, the coverage part will be a little bit uh, different for me. There will be a little bit of a learning curve just in terms of where I usually just, you know, played man coverage on running backs and zone dropped and, you know, kind of a true zone. You know, I'll be asked to do a lot more man coverage on tight ends and, you know, continue to cover running backs. So, just using my speed to, you know, help as I learn the techniques and things with that. But I think I have a, a good good uh, frame, long arms, things like that, so it'll help as I uh, catch catch tight ends in, in the, you know, their initial routes and be able to disrupt them there and, uh, you know, kind of learn and play the rest from there. Absolutely. I, I have one more quick question for you, Quentin, and I'm going to throw that to my, to my co-host, Houts. So you played a few different sports in, in high school and before. So um, tell us tell us the sport other than football. Which sport helped you the most kind of develop your athleticism? I would say wrestling. I, I wrestled for uh, two years, but that was um, very good for me, I think, in terms of, you know, getting kind of that good bend you know, being able to play with the low center of gravity, things like that, um, feeling, you know, feeling your body. And, you know, because you end up in some really weird positions in wrestling and just being able to feel your body in those positions and kind of, you know, get yourself out of it. And, you know, sometimes you end up in weird positions in the football field. And when you have just that little experience and, you know, you've worked a little bit different stabilizer muscles, things like that, that, you know, other sports necessarily – don't hit on so I think that was a a big key and you know learning how to tackle and things like that you know head up tackling you know helped uh, keep me healthy through college so I would attribute wrestling to being a pretty good sport that got me to where I was in college football. Quentin here thanks for joining us Uh, I think I can speak for all three of us when I say we look forward to watching you uh, progress in this journey to the NFL um my question for you is this. How much contact did you have with the Dolphins pre-draft, and was that a team that you always thought was a real possibility? I, I did think they were a possibility. They brought in, they brought me in for a top 30 visit, so I knew I was kind of on their radar from the get-go. Um, they, yeah, I met with uh, one of their area scouts uh, the day before Pro Day, just doing some assessments, things like that, and yeah, then after the you – know, I had an initial top 30 visits with the Vikings and Chiefs, and then um, right after pro day, uh, the Dolphins called and scheduled a top 30 visit with me also. So that was actually – yeah, that was the day after my pro day. So after uh, pro day, they must have, you know, felt pretty good about me and just had to 
confirmed that I could do some things that I did on that pro day and were happy with the numbers I put up, at least happy enough to bring me in for a, a top 30. So, Just to follow up with that, uh, throughout all your pre-draft visits and meeting with coaches, uh, what was the strangest question that you asked? To be honest, I, I never got any, you know, anything weird. I was a, I don't know. I think I'm a little bit more of a, a basic, boring case than some some guys may be. So, <laughs> you know, people ask, you know, what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever done or like happened to you, and you know, how do you even answer that? Like, I, I, I don't know, but I, uh, I was kept clean from any embarrassing or strange questioning for the most part, I believe. <laughs> We're joined here by Quentin Poling, Miami Dolphins NFL Draft. Quentin, just one or two more questions for you. Just want to rattle off a few facts about you um, for our listeners here. You were clocked at um, 4.52 during one of your times 40-yard dashes at your pro day. That time was better than all but two of the linebackers' performances at the 2018 Scouting Combine. A lot of the scouting reports with you coming out uh, into the draft mentioned your speed and mentioned your ability to chase down runners and receivers and tight ends. So certainly that's going to be in play for you. And you mentioned that as well for special teams. You were a middle linebacker in Ohio's 4-3 defense. You earned first team all Mid-American Conference honors each of the past two seasons while helping the Bobcats finish in the top 10 nationally against the run both times. You're the first Ohio player to earn consecutive first team all MAC recognition since 2010 and 2011 and the first linebacker to do so since 2005 and 2006. So certainly a storied college career at Ohio. Um, you were a two-star recruit out of Gomer, Ohio, a town with a population of 102. So for anyone listening out there, it uh, doesn't matter where you come from, and I tell, tell this to everybody. Um, if you're good enough, you're going to get noticed, and I think you're a prime example of that. But I think the uh, biggest thing that I know on my mind, and maybe a little few others as well, is on your Twitter profile, um, you have a pinned tweet. It's you kissing a dolphin's 28th. Um, and you say, some would call it destiny, and you, you're you with the OU capitalized <laughs> the Miami Dolphin, and you're kissing a dolphin. And so uh, just give us a little background on that. Uh, were you always a Dolphins fan growing up, or was uh No, I actually it? grew up uh, – sorry. <clears throat> I actually grew up not really watching a lot of football in terms of professional and – you know, didn't really have a, a team necessarily, but that, uh, that you know, little GIF video, whatever, actually came from uh, this year's bowl game at OU. We were down in the Bahamas Bowl in uh, okay. Nassau. So the uh, captains one day had uh, one of our, you know, kind of activities to do the captains of each team. We got to do like a little swim with the Dolphins thing, and the, uh, the instructor kept – saying you know you guys can he was making us uh get you know give the kiss and give, give the dolphin a kiss on the head and give him a treat and you know he told the guy you know maybe like two guys before me like oh you can give the dolphin a kiss but, but uh no one was you know everyone was a little too chicken too and i was like oh i think it's pretty cool so i you know i did it and yeah. it was uh i had a got you know a couple of people tweet right after like oh imagine the uh you know, imagine the the warrant this tweet will will garner if you know Quentin gets you know selected or drafted by the Dolphins, and that's exactly <laughs> what ended up happening. So it was pretty crazy. But. Sure enough, that is what happened. Um, 
Washington, one last question for you before we let you go. And again, thank you for joining us here on Finside Radio. But rookie minicamp is this coming weekend. Adam Gase, known for not doing a lot of on-field work during that first weekend together. What are you looking forward to the most uh, as you convene with your rookie mates? Yeah, just getting to know all the guys. And, you know, obviously, for being from Ohio, I always get, you know, love an opportunity to meet different people from different areas and get that culture and, you know, kind of my new family, so to say. So I do have a little bit of a relationship with Kiko Alonzo down there. We uh, worked out together this past off season as I was doing the, you know, pre-draft training. So I'm uh, excited to see him and uh, get back in touch with that guy. But just getting down there and meeting all the other drafted guys and drafted guys who are going to be joining the family and meet more people that I didn't uh, get a, a chance to meet on the visit. All right, Quentin Poling, seventh-round draft pick of the Miami Dolphins. We're certainly looking forward to you developing, competing during training camp, and we'll hope to see you on the field this coming fall. Thank you for joining us. Yep, thanks. And what a great interview by Quentin. Of course, he has to be excited. A seventh-round pick, sure. He's going to have to fight his way on the roster. Nothing is guaranteed for him. He's going to have to develop. He's going to have to find his place on special teams. We don't expect him to see him on the field day one as the starting middle linebacker. Don't ever count anyone out, though. He sounds like he has his head on straight. He had a storied college career, as you heard during the interview, me laying out the facts for him and you. And, you know, if you have the passion for the game, if you love the game, if you're a dedicated and hard worker, that's two steps in the door already. Three steps, four steps, whatever it is to make the team Obviously, you have to have the talent to compete at the NFL level, and you're going to have to keep up with the rest of the guys, but it appears he's already on the right track. Certain, Houts, your thoughts on this? Certain, we'll start with you. You were the one who secured this interview for us, so thank you for that. What were your thoughts on Quentin and everything he had to say? Absolutely, and it was my pleasure to to even invite him on the show, just being a fellow OU Bobcat alum and it's pronounced Athens so I told Quentin that I'd give you a hard time for that MC money but uh, just being able to watch him actually play in college was pretty cool and to now have him on my favorite team in the whole wide world is just an incredible incredible thing for me selfishly but for him it's got to be just a a huge transformation for him but what I can tell you uh, about Quentin is that it's not going to be you know, there's a few reasons why people don't stick on on NFL rosters, and, and usually it's what's between your ears, and I don't think that's going to be a problem with, with Quentin. Uh, I think he has a real chance to, to stick on the roster for, for several years because he's going to have the grit necessary. He's going to have the work ethic. Those were one of those characteristics that we talked about uh, on the previous podcast that this that the organization really identified as important um, and, and their prototypes. So uh, to have that kind of work ethic just built into who he is from a little town in Ohio's work for everything he's ever got. That's the type of player you want playing on special teams. And hopefully, uh, hopefully for his sake, uh, he wins some competitions and, and makes as much as he can with his opportunities and, and carves out a niche in the NFL. Sutton Houts here, big fan of you getting this interview with Quentin Poling. I mean, <laughs> it was just wonderful to 
to be given the opportunity to interview. I mean, a player like you said, he's now on our favorite football team in the whole well, favorite sports team in the entire world. And it was just awesome to sit there and listen to him, you know, talk about the pre-draft process and like you said, the things going on between between his ears. I mean, he seems like a smart, intelligent player who goes out there each and every day and competes. And I mean, I think the way that a guy like him is going to stick on this roster, you touched on it a bit. It's going to be on special teams. And I think he realizes that he knows what he needs to do to to make the 53-man roster. And, I mean, you watch a tape, he's a fast, instinctive linebacker. He mentioned having to cover tight ends and drop back in coverage and do all sorts of those things to make the roster. And I think, uh, like you said, players that get drafted later, they don't make it because of what's up between the ears. And he seems like a smart player. And I think I'm speak for all of us. And we're looking forward to watching him develop, watching him in preseason. I mean, this is going to be a fan favorite of ours, and I look forward to watching him develop with the Miami Dolphins. And it was pretty cool that he had done some workouts with Kiko before. That's not something yes. that yep. any of us knew. So I, I think the fact that he has that connection, a linebacker uh, who would presumably take him under his wing. So I think I think he's got a real shot to catch on. Yeah, no, that was pretty cool to hear as well. Um, so he already has some connections in Miami. Again, it sounds like a really great guy. Doesn't sound like he's entitled to anything. I can't imagine the feeling it must be when you're sitting there as a seventh-round pick, right? First of all, you're enthusiastic to get drafted, first of all. But second of all, if you know you're – I mean, if you're a seventh-round pick, you know you're probably not going to go on the second day, right? You you definitely know you're not going on day one. So Thursday's just kind of probably sitting there like everybody else, just watching it, being a fan of the NFL draft. Day two, you may think, okay, maybe someone's going to grab me um, if they really, really love me, but you're probably thinking you're not going to go day two. Then you're sitting there day three, rounds four, five, six, and seven, and you're probably sitting there saying, okay, probably not round four, but maybe round five. Definitely, if not round five, then round six, and then you get round five and round six, you're not selected, and then you're sitting like, oh, crap, it's the last round of the NFL draft, and I'm still not drafted. And then to get a phone call, from the Dolphins or any other NFL team. It must be one of the greatest feelings in the world, but that is just the beginning. They start uh, their rookie mini camp this weekend. Again, like you, I mentioned on the interview, Adam Gase does not really do any on-field work with these guys. It's going to be all classroom work, which is the way it should be. One, you don't need any unnecessary injuries. And two, these guys need to be learning what's going on in the classroom and the mental side of the game and everything that comes along with being in the NFL before even stepping foot on that football field. You need to lay the foundation and Adam Gase is certainly doing that the right way. Now, one thing that may have not been done the right way, and we have heard the reports and the leaks from the Boston Globe and Ben Volen, is that Stephen Ross allegedly implored Mike Tannenbaum, Chris Greer, and Adam Gase to trade down in the NFL draft to not select Minka Fitzpatrick, to gather more picks, and to think about everything they're doing with the roster. I mentioned at the top of the show that this appears to be a game of telephone. And here's what I know. The Miami Dolphins leading up to the NFL draft did not think that Mika Fitzpatrick, Roquan Smith, obviously Saquon Barkley, Quentin Nelson would be on the board. The quarterback talk, all of that was not true. I will tell you right now, I was part of the smokescreen. I will admit it. I'm not ashamed to admit that. And that is all part of the process of trying to figure out who your sources are, where they're getting the information from, 
and whether or not they're getting accurate information to pass on to you. What I can say is this, and I said this last week and you guys chastised me a little bit for it, but I said that uh, let's not get blinded by what's in front of our eyes. Because as you look back at the NFL draft, we can clearly see the vision the Dolphins had. But for months, one of my sources was telling me the Dolphins were not going to draft a quarterback. And this source was steadfast in that. And I kept buying into the media hype. I kept buying into what else I was hearing out there from guys not really connected to the team, but still guys who had some information around the league. And, uh, you know, I fell into that trap. And I admitted that last week, and I will continue to admit that. And it was a, it's a lesson I'm going to learn. But the Dolphins never had any interest really in drafting a quarterback. Now, if Baker Mayfield was there at 11, which obviously we know he never had a chance to even be close to there, would the Dolphins have pulled the trigger? I don't know. But in terms of the Josh Rosen thing, that was a smokescreen. So they turned their target then to Roquan Smith and Minka Fitzpatrick. I can tell you for sure those were the two players that they thought would be there, what would be not there in their range, but would be the only guys that would be acceptable to pick in their range. And they would feel that still had a chance to be on the board, but they never thought these guys would actually be on the board. So we saw Roquan Smith there picked by the Chicago bears. Tremaine Edmonds was linked to him leading up to the draft. And Tremaine Edmonds was also linked to the San Francisco 49ers leading up to the draft. Obviously, 49ers took Mike McGlinchey to everyone, all Dolphins fans, joy. But the Dolphins, once Minka Fitzpatrick was on the board, they had no choice but to pick them. But let me back up just a few. So in their draft meetings leading up to the draft, the Miami Dolphins discussed all options of trading down. They actually had an offer on the table. Now, they would have had to move quite far down the draft because another team was willing to come up. So the Dolphins had discussed this scenario. The Dolphins had discussed trading down leading up to the draft because, again, while Roquan and Minka were on their board as their top two targets for that range they were picking in, they never expected either of them to be on the board. So the Dolphins had plans to trade down leading up to the draft, and then once the draft came and Minka was on the board, they did not trade down. So for me, that's Steve Ross employing his team to trade down was the result of the meetings leading up to the draft. And when you're in that draft room, right, Stephen Ross is not involved in all the draft meetings. He gets the briefings from his management team. He probably got a briefing a day or two before the NFL draft, and they probably said to him, Steve, Mr. Ross, we don't expect these guys to be here. We're going to trade down when it's our turn to pick. We have a deal in place with the Saints. Or it could have been another team. So Steve Ross is in the draft room. Everything's happening in real time. Minka Fitzpatrick's on the board. The Dolphins say, oh, we're going to draft Minka Fitzpatrick. Stephen Ross probably says, I thought we were trading down. And the management team says, no, we're picking Minka Fitzpatrick. Stephen Ross probably then says, well, why are you changing your mind? And then the management team then probably says, well, Minka Fitzpatrick is the one guy or one of the two guys we had in our target at pick number 11, and we're going to pick him here. Now, the Dolphins' original plan, again, was to trade down with the Saints or another team in that area get an extra first-round pick next year, then try to trade back up for someone possibly like Derwin James, possibly like Tremaine Edmonds, possibly someone else. Hindsight is always 20-20, right? We can sit here and see that plan and say, well, they should have done it. Derwin fell, Tremaine fell. But nobody knew at that time they were going to fall. And for me, Minka is one of the elite players in the NFL draft, and I know some people may say he's not. And you need to pick him at 11, which is what the Dolphins did. 
And who knows how their draft would have played out if they stayed at 27. Would they have taken Mike Jaziki at 27? I don't know. Would they have taken Lamar Jackson? I don't know. Possibly someone like Josh Jackson, maybe Harold Landry. Any of those would have obviously come into play. Isaiah Wynn, perhaps, if he wasn't picked by the Patriots, because once Minka drops, and if the Dolphins didn't select him, the whole draft changes. So we'll never know. But for me, I'm glad Minka Fitzpatrick was the pick. I did like Derwin James a little more, but I am fully on board with Minka as well. How it's your thoughts on this whole Steve Ross thing? Yeah, I think it's a bit crazy, especially that was broken by uh, Ben Bolin up there at, uh, in Boston. But I think for me, I mean, if you invested the time and all that money into the, uh, anything, I mean, this is a guy who's has all these businesses. He's a billionaire, and he invested all this money into a team that honestly has just been mediocre since he took over. And, I mean, you're putting all that money into there, so of course you want to have a say. I think you touched on it and you probably nailed, hit the nail on the head. I mean, they probably went into this with a plan that if those two guys weren't there and no one really thought they would be, they were going to trade back. I know uh, Barry Jackson came out with an article suggesting maybe they had interest in Lamar Jackson. I mean, that would have definitely sparked interest in the fan base. Probably would have been one of those jerseys, you know, top sellers, gotten some uh, excitement back into the Miami Dolphins. But Minka Fitzpatrick, I said throughout the process, I was a huge Baker Mayfield guy, but I even believe Minka Fitzpatrick would be the best player for the Dolphins in a win-now situation. I mean, we haven't had a free safety uh, that can do the things he can do, as be as versatile as Minka can be in, in decades. And, I mean, you got a guy that can come in and play several roles on defense, can help disguise things that Matt Burke wants to do. I mean, he was a top 10 easily top 10 player in this draft and those quarterbacks came and he fell right into our laps and I'm sure that heading into it they wanted to trade out but when you got an elite talent like that a guy who can come in be a difference maker does all the right things I mean the Nick Saban and Adam Gase uh, relationship you know it's there you know Adam Gase knows the ins and outs of the type of player Minka Fitzpatrick is we talked about last week he's sitting there studying film before a game uh, just does everything that you could ask for from a player and he's just going to get better he's going to go out there and just do everything right, and I think he's everything this team needed. I think it was a home run draft pick. I mean, Stephen Ross, I'm not sure he's mad about it. I'm sure he wanted that extra pick. I'm sure he sees players on this roster like a TJ McDonald who's kind of just eating away at the cap and didn't quite pan out the way that some of these guys thought. But uh, I definitely don't think he hates Minka Fitzpatrick or has any ill will against him being the pick. Uh, and in my opinion, it would be ridiculous to do so, especially given some of those draft picks we've had over the last uh, 10 years he's been the owner. Uh, I think Minka Fitzpatrick was a hell of a draft pick. I couldn't be happier with that pick. And, I mean, yeah, Stephen Ross, he needs to have a say because this is his franchise. But at the end of the day, he put those people in charge to make these football decisions. And I think Minka Fitzpatrick was the best player for this team. So my thoughts on this subject, and I really, in terms of the leak or the potential leak, it's not going to be a salient conversation until we see how the Dolphins do this year. If we're winning, it's not going to matter a single iota. The only way this story is going to matter if the Dolphins actually lose and then people start having to draw lines in the sand and and develop certain allegiances or whatever to try to uh, to save their jobs in the self-preservation mode. But um, in terms of the overall draft strategy, though, if they really did have a an offer in place from New Orleans to move down, I'm I'm generally speaking a, a proponent of the trade down methodology just because I, I believe in throwing as many darts at the dartboard as you can. I think that's the way to succeed in the NFL draft. So 
I'm on board with that. And the way the board fell, you know, like you said, how it's Tremaine Edmonds fell and Derwin James fell. So we could have moved down and then moved back up if there was somebody that uh, we had our sights on that we maybe had on our board higher than, than where they were, you know, they're still available. We could have moved back up and still when the wash comes out, we have better draft capital than we did coming into the day. So I, I like the overall draft strategy. And, and I think, I think the storyline, the way you said it, MC money, I, I think it makes sense for, for Steven Ross to say, you know, I thought, this was what we were going to do. And we don't know that it was necessarily a contentious argument or anything. Maybe he just came in and asked a question. I mean, business people and coaches, they have all sorts of difficult conversations every single day. So I don't think this would have been that out of the ordinary for them to hash this out like men and, and be done with it and get their business done. So I don't know that there's a whole lot to this story, but like I said, if there really is some meat and potatoes here, we're not going to find out about it for months. And really, you know, that, that game of telephone is there. And I think part of the story is true in terms of, yes, they all thought they were going to be trading down leading up to the draft. And when the draft actually happened, they said, no, there's no way we can trade down with Mika still on the board. But I think the bigger issue is that someone in that draft room or someone in that final draft meeting leaked to none other than a, Rival beat reporter, Ben Volan. So the Dolphins have a problem on their hands in terms of figuring out who that leak was, and hopefully they're getting to the bottom of it. I'm not, I don't know who it was. I'm not going to speculate. I said it was Mike Tannenbaum. I didn't say it was Mike Tannenbaum, but I said he's in play on Twitter the other day. I can, I was told that it's not true. It was definitely not him. So I'm sorry, you know, for accusing him of doing that. I don't know who it is. I'm not going to try to guess who it is. We'll never know who it is. Um, but hopefully the Dolphins do figure it out and cut the leaks out, especially to a rival beat reporter whose whose job is to cover the Patriots. You don't you don't want to be doing that. Um, it's, it's not a good look for your organization. It's not a good look for your team, and it's obvious someone with an agenda to grind against, whether it's Chris Greer, Adam Gase, or Mike Tannenbaum, or even Stephen Ross himself. But that story will fade away. Obviously, the produce, production will be on the field. The results will be on the field. And once the games start playing and the players start flying, all of this will be forgotten. Unless, of course, the Dolphins start losing, and then these guys will be on the hot seat. And we will go from there and see how that ends up. Houts and Sutton, you were special guests on the 4th and Inches podcast this week. Um, I listened to it. I don't recommend that anyone listens to it if they're at work, like I said earlier in the show. But, uh, you know, I got the feeling, boys, that you feel suppressed and it's like when you live at home your entire life and you go away to college and that first weekend, you just go out and party like crazy the entire weekend. You drink, you get drunk, you do everything that you're not supposed to do just because you're free from your parents. And I felt like house and Sutton, that was you on fourth and inches, just doing swearing, cussing, talking, doing everything you can because you were away from this podcast and, I laughed a ton during that podcast. It was great stuff. Uh, not really Miami Dolphins related, but nonetheless, it was funny. Uh, so I hope you guys had fun there. And then we realized that we're old men now with kids. And when we go party like that, we're hungover as you know what. And we realized maybe at the end of the day, that home is where the heart is, MC Money. We love you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thank you. We, we, 
we will always love you. We just enjoy swearing sometimes and talking about poops. And <laughs> like Sutton said, someday, I mean, our kids are going to grow up. They might search our names on Google and that <laughs> podcast is going to come up and conversation to have with my daughter. No, it's, it's it's good stuff, and hopefully we do some more crossover stuff like that. I'd love to bring some of those guys on, obviously. We're part of SB Nation. They're just on YouTube, so our standards are in terms of what we can and can't put out. Um, but we hope to bring some of those on. And listen, we hope to cross cross over with other podcasts as well and other guests. And, you know, we're all Dolphins fans at the end of the day. None of us are getting paid for all of this. We're doing it because we love the team. There's no reason for us to be – bitter at each other or competing against each other competition is good in terms of stepping up their game stepping up our game against others but at the end of the day we're all in it for the same reason before we wrap up the show um, I put a question out a poll on Twitter last weekend this past weekend I had done a lot of yard work a lot of leaves I have a lot of trees in my yard cleaning up and and after a long day of yard work I got in the house I, I undressed took off my clothes and I grabbed the beer from the refrigerator. My wife said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to take a shower. She said, why do you have a beer? And I said, well, I'm going to go drink a beer in the shower. And she told me that was weird. And I don't think that's weird because I've done it for quite a while. And I think it is one of the most refreshing things that you could possibly imagine. The hot water hitting you, the cold beer going down your throat. Am I weird, Sutton and Houts? Yeah, man. I mean, I talked to you guys. I've mentioned it before that I'm a huge advocate of shower beers. I have this weird ritual that before every Dolphins game, whether I'm at work and get home and it's halftime and I'm putting the game on from the beginning, that I need to shower, throw on my gear, my my Zubas, my socks, my whether there's a Tannehill jersey, my my throwback Marino, whatever it may be. Uh, but before I do that, I take a shot and I run up to the shower. And I do have a beer in my hand. And every time I sit there and I try to, you know, avoid the suds dripping down into the can, uh, that's a real issue that can happen. And sometimes it just improves the beer. But at the end of the day, I think shower beers are God's gift to us all. It's something that everyone needs to try. And, yeah, you said it best. I mean, when you're taking a nice hot shower, you're getting nice and clean and you're drinking this delicious beer, kind of getting a little bit buzzed, especially before a Dolphins game. There's not very many things in this world better than that. Okay, and I am, I'll just be on the record here, and I am proud to be the lone dissenter here because I don't know what the hell you guys are doing in the shower for so long that you have time to drink an entire beer, but I take like a minute. And a half <laughs> I don't drink. I don't drink an entire. I don't drink an entire beer. I start the beer in the shower. See, so just start the beer. I drink most of it in okay. the shower. It's okay. like a three-minute shower. Dude, I, I'm that in and out of the shower. I don't have time for all that. My kids come in. They open the door like, oh, daddy, what are you doing? Oh, I'm taking a shower. Could you please shut the door? You're letting all the steam out. And then my shower's over. So I don't really have time for a shower beer. And how it's, I don't know. He's a, I don't know if I can say this, but he's a bear asser. And he drinks sh- – he has to take a shower before games. I don't even know if I know this dude anymore. Dude, do you, do you see the <laughs> curls? I mean, I, I get home from work. Half the time I have my hair up in like a freaking man bun and a, a hairnet. And I get home from work. I just I just need to get a shower. I need to have those curls come out looking like freaking <laughs> dolf- Dolphins Jesus. And, I mean, we can't relate to your issue because, I mean, you have like, like Antonio Cromartie's amount of kids. You got like seven kids that are just trying to open 
the door one after another. Freaking and no more, no more like, like I take uh, a beer rumble match in your. So I put out the Twitter poll about asking if it was weird. 870 votes, 26% said yes, 74% said no. So I'm going to go with that. And, and no, it is not weird, certain. So you can go screw yourself. Uh, oh, I will. Beer. I started drinking a beer at the beginning of this podcast. Um, you guys know me. I'm a little buzzed right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> You're hammered. All right, let's go to that one, one question we have on the Finside Radio Live thread. What do we got? Yeah, this is from our boy Alpha. He's asking, other than Fitzpatrick, who else do you see breaking into the starting lineup of draft picks? Yeah, I Mike think Mike Jacecki, the yeah, easily the tight end. Penn State, he's going to be a monster. It's really the only tight end we have, too. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> by default. Uh, yeah, by Jerome default. Baker, I think, will, Jerome Baker will see the field in some sub packages as well. I'll throw He'll definitely see the field. Yeah, I'll throw a dark horse out there. And, and I think what's more important instead of saying who's starting is who's going to get the most snaps because it's in the NFL, it's not about always who's starting, it's about who's on the field the largest percentage of plays. And I could see Kalen Ballage getting a fair amount of snaps just because oh, yeah. of the nature of the position in the NFL. Running backs get hurt. We have Kenyon Drake, um, who has had some injury history there. So, and Frank Gore uh, has as well, despite how durable, you know, how long he's played in the NFL. So you could see Ballage going in there and and making the most of his opportunities. Yeah, I certainly do see him getting a role as well, and. Uh... It's going to be fun to watch these guys develop and continue on in the rookie mini camps, the on-field, the OTAs, training camp, and then, of course, the regular season. We have quite a while to go, but we're going to do our best to keep you entertained until the action starts happening again. We have a few months to go, but we will continue here. It's not going to be all football talk as we move forward. If Obviously, if anything pops up like the Stephen Ross story popped up this week, we will certainly cover it. We'll try to get on special guests, some former Dolphins players, some current Dolphins players, some draft Knicks, some other other guys involved with the NFL, some fantasy football guys. We're going to try to keep it as interesting as possible for you in this offseason so you keep coming back each and every week. But for this week on Finsider Radio, I think that's going to do it. How it's uncertain. Any last words? No, just another big thanks to Quentin for coming on the show. I know I gave a teaser, Absolutely. Gave a teaser last week about having a uh, – current Dolphins player come on the show and I didn't jinx it so I'm one for one Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and throw another one out there because I'm feeling confident Uh, we're gonna have a guy uh, on the show that you're gonna love that you supply wide receiver for the Dolphins oh yes yes you told us about this and that is going to be lit AF it's gonna be awesome (laughs) all right how it's anything else oh big thanks to Quentin all right, absolutely. Go Dolphins. Go, go Dolphins. All right, that is going to do it for us this week on Finsider Radio. For certain the creepy soccer dad and outs MD, I'm, I'm MC Money. We'll talk to you next time. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking so football because we're the Miami Dolphins.
Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 